get the meaning behind the numbers and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Welcome to the show, yeah, folks. It's time for TSN Hockey Analytics. I'm Andy McNamara, and you're listening on TSN 1050 Toronto. Across the TSN Radio Network, get us on Twitter, at TSN Analytics, myself at AndyMC81. Find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, the show page on tsn1050.ca. If you miss any of it, we got you covered. Nice show for you today, tsn.ca. Travis Yost will join me in mere moments. Scott Cullen for Heroes and Zeros later on in the program. The return, editor-in-chief of The Athletic Toronto, James Myrtle. And Corey Schneider from at Shutdown Line, one of the prominent voices in the hockey analytics community as well. Looking forward to talking to both of them. But back in his leadoff spot, it will be Travis Yost in just a couple of moments as we get him on the line here. Uh, he had to move around. He was in transit. Travis likes to taunt us from time to time with his uh, exotic vacation travels. Sometimes he's in Vegas. Sometimes he's in Hawaii. Beat shots, whatever. We'll see where Travis Yost is going to come from us uh, this week. But for Scott Cullen... Uh, we'll get into, as I said, the, the heroes and zeros. Uh, very interesting week. A lot of Maple Leaf talk. Austin Matthews missing some time uh, with Merle Wall. So swing around the Atlantic division there. Uh, and now it is it is Mr. Travis Yost. Uh, Travis, you were in transit last week. Are you in some exotic location again this week? Or are you uh, in, in a normal cold spot like the rest of us? <laughs> <laughs> the exotic location of uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. But I, I will be in... Uh, I'll be all... I'll be Dallas, Fort Lauderdale, all over the place this next week. So it... I don't know where I'm gonna, where we're going to do this from next week, but it'll be warmer than where I'm at today or where last week. Nice. Travis Yost, he's going to be all around the country, folks. And, Travis, your article, I, I loved it, evaluating the sustainability of hockey's white-hot shooters. And that's always, that's always the question. Someone's on a streak, positive or negative. How is this going to be relatable long-term? So you looked at some of the early goal producers using goals per 60, stacked them up against their own shot generation numbers and the data from the previous three seasons. So the likes of Kucherov, your guy Ovechkin, Tavares, not a surprise to hear them at the top. But some of the other names, like a Molino, a Keller, Brown, make appearances. When you're trying to predict the degrees of sustainability, what, what do you tend to look at? So the, the biggest driver, there's two big drivers here. The first one is the true shooting talent of a player, right? So when you have a guy like Alex Ovechkin or John Tavares, um, they've been in the league for years. We know they are, they'll score on about one of every nine five-on-five shots, and that's been pretty consistent throughout their career. But, you know, one of the harder things is what, hap- what, what do you do when you have a younger player and you're not entirely sure yet what his shooting talent looks like? And moreover, when you have a younger player, they're much more likely to move up and down the lineup, maybe play with better line mates. So there's a lot of noise and a lot of potential drivers that could impact the player's goal scoring one way or another. But the, the one measure I always come back to is, at the end of the day, how well is a player, how, how strong is a player at getting shots to the net? And one, and one of the reasons why I bring this up is, Time and time again, what we see is the easiest way to stave off any type of regression, especially if you're on a really incredible scoring run, is to just keep generating volume. So you might not have the same type of puck luck on any individual shot, but the more you throw at the net, the more likely you are to score on a given game. And it brings up an interesting uh, – there's, there's almost a stratification between the two players, uh, two buckets of players on that, on that goal-scoring leaderboard. Guys like Nikita Kucherov 
uh, are a great example. He might be, you know, scoring on one of every four shots, and it seems ridiculous, right? Yeah. But the other, the other piece of that is Tampa Bay, especially with that line, have lived in the offensive zone all year. Like, maybe Kucherov will start shooting 15% instead of 25%, but at the end of the day, his shot volume is so high, it's going to be almost impossible to keep him or Steven Stamkos or Vladimir Nevestikov off the, off the stat sheet, um, regardless of what happens. Whereas the, the, other, the other side is a player like Alex Ovechkin, who we fawn over, I think, every single week on this show, um, he, he's in the later stages of his career, I would describe it as he's a lethal power play player and opportunistic at five on five. And I say opportunistic because he, in the last few years, he really hasn't been an elite five on five goal scorer. He's been a solid one. And if you look at his shot volume over the last five or so years, at even strength, it's, it's dropping. And, and part of that is probably because of his age. And part of that is probably because that Washington, and at least this season, doesn't look nearly as good as they have in years past. Um, so that, that's, that's a player that I would definitely keep an eye on is, is Ovechkin because I, I absolutely, first off, he's one of the greatest goal scorers in history, sure. but the, his goal scoring numbers right now are pretty much um, driven by his work at five on five. And that's not historically the type of player Ovechkin is. Uh, so something to keep in mind here. I still, I still think he will continue scoring goals, obviously, <laughs> but um, I, I expect the even strength scoring to maybe dry up a little bit for him going forward. Any young players or surprising names that have, have piqued your interest early that you're going to be following the rest of the year? Oh, Clayton Keller for sure. Yeah. Um, so Clayton Keller has, I think he's got 11 goals and seven assists already for an absolutely rancid Arizona Coyotes <laughs> team. I mean, that Coyotes team is unwatchable on most nights, but Clayton Keller has been a star. And look, again, th- this is where it gets tricky, right? So I mean, I even close with this piece in the, or this paragraph in the piece, which is, what do you do when you have a Clayton Keller, right? So Clayton Keller, seventh overall draft pick, incredible scoring talent when he was young uh, in, in juniors and, and where he came and where he developed. Uh, so it looks like that is carried over. That said, again, Clayton Keller is kind of in the same boat as a lot of these other guys where everything is breaking right for him right now. So the, the thing to track, I think Clayton Keller's for real. Like I, I think this is a guy who's going to consistently score 30 goals in this league. What I'm more curious about with Keller is how is he – half of the season. So he he has really benefited from pretty much anything and everything finding the back of the net. If once that once that scoring luck dries up a bit, what's going to happen with the Coyotes mm-hmm. and what's going to happen with Keller? Because there's not a lot of talent on that roster, developed talent. I think they're two and thirteen out of the gate. Um, I, I would expect a bit of a scoring drought for him. But again, the, what separates the good from greater elite scorers? is those scoring drafts don't really carry on for much long. It becomes two, three, four games, not six, seven, eight, nine. So, yeah, definitely the number one at the top player to watch is definitely going to be Clayton Keller. In conversation with Travis Yost from TSN.ca on Twitter, at Travis Yost. Let's look at some of the top defensemen in the league. And you, you threw together, Travis, a chart of the top point producers on the back end. So, no surprise, of course, Eric Carlson, he's leading the way. But which defensemen have you been most impressed or caught off guard with so far this year, this season? Oh, that, that's a really good question because there's a few on that list. Um, how about how about two, the two names that I think would pop out? Um, Brad Hunt is one. Brad Hunt on the Vegas Golden Knights is almost a point per game <laughs> defenseman, and this is this is a guy who was really struggling to establish himself at the NHL level. And again, this this is why this is one of the cool things about being an expansion team is the opportunity for 23 skaters um, to to maybe establish themselves in a position where they couldn't have established themselves in years past. And not only is it Brad Hunt, by the way, kind of along the Vegas Knights theme, but 
that's pretty much happened for at least three of their defensemen, right? Colin Miller's off to a great year in Vegas. Uh, Nate Schmidt looks maybe he might be one of their two or three best players on the entire team. Uh, and, and all three of those guys, Nate Schmidt, Colin Miller, um, and, and, and Brad Hunt, are all guys that were, I, I don't want to use the word discarded, but they were pretty much left to the expansion draft like, okay, no harm, no foul if we lose these guys. And all three of those guys have uh, have established themselves as everyday NHLers. The, uh, Miller and, and Schmidt in particular are, are look very much like top four NHL defenders. So, you know, th- this is part of the reason why the whole discussion about Vegas I think is so interesting. They don't really have the top-end talent that pretty much any other team in the league has, but they've got a lot of guys who can skate. They've got a number of guys who can move the puck well from the back end, and, and they're a very quick skating team pretty much top-down through the lineup. Uh, so th- those those three, really, all on the same team have, have uh, caught my attention. But, you know, th- there's other players there on that list. I think Victor Hedman's off to an incredible year. It goes without saying. Eric Carlson, the same thing. Um, it, 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 there's, there's a, it is going to be an interesting Norris Trophy discussion this year. I think. I like. I, I guess. I guess the prohibitive favorite is going to be Eric Carlson. Yeah. You're already seeing some chatter about Victor Hedman and Alex Pietrangelo and, and the types of starts they're off to this year. So again, you know, it's the staple. We're in what year four of the show, and it feels like for four years we've been talking about this is like the peak. Uh, peak era for talented NHL and talented young NHL defenders. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And, of course, Derek Carlson's always in the conversation. Okay, Travis, now, uh, outside of giving out phenomenal hockey knowledge and, and articles on your Twitter at Travis Yost, you're known, known for some, some hot food takes, and we've been teasing it for a couple weeks. So let's do this thing. This is Travis Yost's Testy Food Take of the Week. <laughs> With a sting and everything, Travis. We've made it, buddy. Wow. So, uh, you put out there, you evaluated fast food chains. And you have your best five and your worst five. Uh, do, you, do you remember them, or do you want me to, to read out your best? Run them off quick. Okay. I, I remember my best five very well. It was, it's a painstaking science. Five. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to start from the bottom. Number five, IHOP. Four, Subway. Number three, Panda Express, a dark horse. Number two, Sbarro. And number one, Burger King. Wow. I didn't think Burger King would be top of the line. So, Burger, I mean, you got you to take multiple criteria here. It's not okay. just taste. It's taste, quality, the price of acquisition. All of these things are critical. I, I was very close to putting Panda Express number one, by the way. Like number six one. and a half bucks, you can get a double grilled teriyaki chicken and white rice. <laughs> with, it's like a pound of food for six bucks. So you really can't beat that. So, it was. It was neck and neck for the top spot, but yeah, pound for pound, champ, still Burger King. So okay, so that's the criteria. So we're going taste and value for the for, for, for the buy, right? <laughs> Correct. That's what we got. Okay, now the worst five, uh, and we'll start from number five. These are also places that I'm sure uh, won't be uh, any sponsors of this show. Um, five guys: uh, Tim Hortons, that is Travis speaking, not myself. Uh, Firehouse Subs, Chick Fil A, and In and Out. I've never had In and Out. So I've only had in and out in Vegas, okay. and I had it one time, and what, I probably what, will never have it again. Like, what the, type the of food piece is that it? I never understood. The piece I never understood, Andy, is I get I get that Tim Hortons has a is there's a cultural phenomena behind Tim Hortons, <laughs> but coffee there is. I think Tim Hortons. Oh, Travis! I think Tim Hortons got a hold of uh, got a hold of your line, and cut, <laughs> they cut you. They cut you out literally, Travis. When you started talking about Tim Hortons, it cut out. It, 
I think we, they're in. I think they're Andy, in on it. We don't want to, Andy. Tim Horton. That's Tim Horton's way of saying they, <laughs> they they may still be interested in sponsoring the show. That's right. I think they have destroyed. Uh, they've destroyed your link there, uh, Travis. We got to bounce, but I do like the testy food take of the week. <laughs> and listen, if anyone wants to trip you on it, right? They can get you at Travis Yost on Twitter. <laughs> only heard from a thousand people. Keep it going. Beautiful. All right, buddy. We'll, t- we'll talk to you later. That's Travis Yost. Hot food take. Best five, worst five. Hey, you can tweet us too when you're watching the hockey. And what are what, what are some of your favorite food? What, what's what's your favorite takeout when you're watching hockey? At TSN Analytics. Tweet us there. All right. So that's Travis Yost. Get his fine work. TSN.ca. Uh, you can get him there every week. Returning to the program after the break, James Myrtle. Editor-in-chief of The Athletic Toronto is up next. You're listening to TSN Hockey Analytics. Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. You're listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Miner in over the line, closing in, the pass on the wing, a shot scores! Patrick Marlowe deflects in the pass from Jake Welcome back to TSN Hockey Analytics. I'm Andy McNamara, and you're listening on TSN 1050 Toronto across the TSN radio network. If you missed any of the show, get the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, subscribe there, or on the TSN 1050.ca show page. We'll also tweet it out at TSN Analytics and myself at AndyMC81. Still to come in the program, one of the prominent voices in the hockey analytics community, Corey Schneider from at Shutdown Line. Be by in about 12 minutes' time. After that, to wrap up the show, back in his usual spot. Let off a week ago because of Travis Yost on on the road and commute. But Scott Cullen will return to wrap things up with heroes and zeros and some of the storylines from around the NHL. Uh, you can get his work Monday to Friday in Statistically Speaking on TSN.ca. James Myrtle going to be online in just a moment from the Athletic Toronto. We'll talk some Maple Leafs. And how about this for little nugget coming from Leafs PR? Patrick Marlowe, 38 years, 56 days, became the second oldest player in Maple Leafs franchise history to score a regular season overtime goal behind Art Duncan. 38 years, 170 days. On December 21st, 1929, it was against the Pittsburgh Pirates. So it's been a while. Let's bring on the line, James Myrtle. Feels like it's been a while since we chatted with you, sir. How are you? I'm good, and I'm happy to say that Art Duncan's analytics were outstanding <laughs> back in that 29 season. <laughs> so I remember doing this show back then, and oh. we were Art Duncan was a star. How was this Corsi Four back then, uh, James? It was. Uh... It was. It was. <laughs> You know, <laughs> tops in the league through the roof. The pit. Yeah. I, I love. No one can fact check that on me. No, I love when you see some of the old NHL names, right? Like it's just like sometimes they just got lazy. It's like, well, we have a baseball team called the Pirates, so we'll make it the hockey team too. It's just like, <laughs> just weird. Oh boy. Anyway, so yeah, congrats to Patrick Marlowe, looking like a, a great signing so far. We'll get back to Marlowe in a second, but. Austin Matthews, so the show's recorded on Saturday, of course. He's not with the with the Leafs on the second half of the back-to-back against Boston. How are you assessing the Leafs, how they've they've responded without Austin Matthews in the lineup? They've been okay. I mean, they won both of the games, obviously, but the one against Minnesota they easily could have lost and didn't play particularly well. I thought the effort against Boston was a lot better. You know, where they're 
these are going to be tighter games. They're not going to be able to, to overwhelm opponents really the same way when they have Austin Matthews. And, you know, it's interesting. They've got William Nylander on the checking line or the shutdown line with Nazem Kadri. Did a pretty good job. Didn't notice him making any real mistakes that, that cost them. And they've got that line, JVR, Bozak, and, and Mitch Marner back together again. And they were dangerous, you know, and Mitch Marner helped create two of the goals. So, you know, the Leafs need that kind of offense coming from different players and defense coming from different players in the case of William Nylander uh, if they're going to win without Austin Matthews. So obviously a big absence. So the fact that they won two of the two games, I mean, it's, it's hard to complain too much about that. Yeah, as long as it gets done and hope that it's not uh, an extended leave or, or anything else comes up with Matthews being out of the lineup. Uh, James, let's get back to Patrick Marlowe here for a second. Um, that was the, the off-season signing that really perked Leaf fans' ears of, all right, well, this is a, a young team rebuilding. You go get this 38-year-old veteran, and how is he going to play? How is he going to fit in? Uh, what have you made of him uh, playing down the middle so far, and, and how do you think Mike Babcock is going to utilize him uh, continuing forward? I think Patrick Marlowe has been really good. Yeah. You know, he's, he really hasn't. He, he plays mistake-free hockey, and he plays really hard-working hockey at all times. And you can see what people are talking about when they talked about how well he's still got his wheels. He can still skate because that's evident out there every single night. And it's evident not just when he gets the puck and gets a scoring chance. It's evident on the back check a lot of the time. So Mike Babcock last week you know, on the California trip was completely adamant that Marlowe's not going to play center all season. He said, that's not why we acquired him. He's just going to do it right now. Um, you know, maybe that's just what they do when there's one of their main centers is out of the lineup. But I, I know for a fact that, you know, the Leafs don't want Patrick Marlowe playing center all season. But, you know, in a pinch, he's been pretty good there. And it speaks to his experience and his versatility and all those things. And so I, what I would say is that first 18 games of Marlowe and Toronto have been great. Um, there's just, you know, 2.75 years left to go. So they just have to hope that he continues to be a freak of nature and he continues to be able to keep up his high level of play uh, into the into the future here. Yeah, and the question I think, James, is going to become as the season goes on, we're still relatively early in the year, when we get post-Christmas, when it's February, March, as the season grinds on, how does he hold up? Is he still producing? That's going to be the real test. That, that We're not going to know until we actually see it happen. Yeah, and, you know, potentially into May, right? Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, come playoff time. Sure, sure. Yeah. Don't want to understate that. Now, let's look at Mitch Marner. We heard the clip off the top. Five, uh, He has uh, five assists in his last four games. Had a couple in the opener against Boston. Hasn't found the back of the net, though, since the Leafs' opening night. Looking at his shot generation numbers, shooting percentage, any underlying concerns as to why Marner hasn't been able to score as much as we saw a year ago? He's not shooting the puck. You know, that's that's mm-hmm. one of the big ones. He's down to 1.59 shots per game. Last year he was at about 2.3. I know coming into the year he wanted to shoot more. That's not happening. He's down quite a bit. And, you know, not only does he only have the one goal this year, he's only got five in his last 40 games going back to last season. You know, the last 25 games or so of last season, he the offense really dried up for him, and he wasn't producing hardly any even strength points. So, you know, what's happened with Matthews out is that uh, obviously Babcock's had to look to other sources for ice time and for offense, and Mitch Marner's one of those guys, and he has looked better this week. He certainly looked really dynamic against Boston and helped create not only the goal with a minute left to tie the game, but also obviously the overtime goal uh, with the nice back check and covering the, the rare mistake that Patrick Marlowe did make in overtime and then starting the rush the other way. You know, it's... 
I wonder if, if Mitch Marner's never going to be a huge goal scorer, if he's mostly going to be a setup man. That's mm. kind of what he looks like so far in the NHL. He's got a lot more work he needs to do on his shot. He does not have the shot, obviously, that Austin Matthews has, but he doesn't have the shot that, that William Nylander has either. He he looks like a more of a, I don't want to call him one-dimensional, but certainly more of a playmaker than a shooter. And, you know, his goal total this year is on pace to be really, really low. And I guess big picture, James, that can be, that doesn't have to necessarily be a negative. The Maple Leafs just have to figure out what he is, what that ceiling is going to be. And if it turns out he's just a playmaker, well, okay, you have to adjust accordingly, right, as his career goes on. Yeah, although, I mean, I think they would like to get more than, you know, 10 or 12 goals out of him. I think they would right. still want him to be like an 18 to 25 guy, especially if he's going to be, you know, one of their top three or four offensive players. He plays a ton on the top power play unit. And, mm. you know, I think he'd like he'd like to have everyone on that unit be able to score goals once in a while, and Mitch Marner's included. So I'm sure it's something that that Mike Babcock and the staff are aware of and that they're going to work on with Mitch Marner. In conversation with James Myrtle, editor-in-chief of The Athletic Toronto, on Twitter, at Myrtle. Let's look at the rookie class for a sec here. The young American group around the league, likes of Keller, Butcher, Connor. Is this a mirage, or is this a, a testament to the success of USA Hockey? No, I think Canadians should be worried. Mm. I think that, you know, I, I, I couldn't tell you when it's going to be, but at some point in our lifetime, certainly, and I think within the next 15 or 20 years, you know, there's going to be a lot of articles written about has the U.S. passed Canada in hockey? Because I mean, they they just said they've got a factory coming. They've, their population size is obviously a lot larger. The number of players they have playing the game uh, at the minor hockey league level has caught up to Canada, and um, the number of really good top level players that are in the league is astounding. I mean, you look at. Um, the draft for next year, I know if you look at the top prospects, I think about half of them, let's say top 20, about half of them are American. So there are more Americans that are probably going to go at the high end of the 2018 draft than Canadians. And the NHL is still 50% Canadian, and the Americans are closer to you know 22 23%. But that number has been slowly going up every year. And I think it's going to keep going up. And I think that that's going to create uh, an even more heated rivalry between Canada and the U.S. whenever we have the next best-on-best competition. Well, and James, you see it in places like, look look where Austin Matthews developed, right? Non-traditional yeah. hockey markets. That's, yeah. you know, that, that can kind of be, I guess, big picture, the, one of the legacies of Gary Bettman. Of you put it in these markets, while the product might not, not always be greater than the attendance, it gets interest up. And as you said, the population is, um, well, it, it's, it's going to grow. And, and that's, that's just the way it, it's going to be, right? Yeah, California is a big one, but you know Texas, Florida, yeah. Arizona is pretty small, but you know it's they're obviously starting to produce some players. So it's um, it's interesting, you know, you get the NHL players are into those markets, and then not only do their kids grow up there, but they also become coaches yes. and things like that in those markets, and they help develop great players too. That's right. Last one for you here, James. Want to get to this? Uh, this year's uh, NHL Hall of Fame class will be inducted on Monday. You recently wrote about Mark Recchi's journey that started out in Kamloops, his story being one of the best underdog tales. What made Recchi such a special player in that era? Yeah, it was it was fun talking to a lot of people that played with with Mark Recchi the last couple of weeks, and you know they said that that what often got overlooked is he was just a very very smart player, just great hockey sense, and especially in the offensive zone, he was just. Sidney Crosby talked about how he could play every single position on the power play. He could play the point. He could play in front of the net. He could play you know the flank over by the boards. 
You know, he could just make anything happen. And he was doing that when he was in his mid-30s when he was playing with Crosby in Crosby's first and second season. So, you know, I think that if I had to pick one thing, I would say hockey sense. And it's interesting because a lot of people think that Mark Recchi is going to be the next, you know, uh, former player that becomes a general manager in the NHL. Right now he's an assistant coach in Pittsburgh, but, you know, he has designs and people think that, that he would be able to do it to become a GM in the league. So that's something to look out for in the next four or five years. And James, of course, people can find your work and your talented staff at The Athletic Toronto and get the links uh, on Twitter at Myrtle, right? Yeah, if you haven't seen it yet, check out theathletic.com. We're, we're new, but uh, we're plucky, and uh, <laughs> we're producing. we got tons and tons of great content on the Hall of Fame class, so I encourage people to check it out, including Eric Duhatchik today on uh, Team of Salini. Yeah, oh, the, the content is next level. Got to check it out. James, thank you so much. Thanks, Andy. All right, James Myrtle, editor-in-chief at The Athletic Toronto on Twitter, at Myrtle. And yeah, you, listeners of this show know about The Athletic Toronto. If you don't or haven't checked out, subscribe now. It's worth it. It's, uh, the, the content is the likes where you, you just don't get it anywhere else. Okay, we're going to take the break. Come back. I'm going to chat with one of the prominent voices in the hockey analytics community. On Twitter, at ShutdownLine, Corey Schneider joins me next on TSN Hockey Analytics. Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to TSN Hockey Analytics. I'm Andy McNamara. Across TSN 1050 Toronto, TSN Radio Network, on Twitter, at TSN Analytics, at AndyMC81. Missed any of the show? No problem. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes, SoundCloud, TSN1050.ca show page. And we'll post the link on our Twitter. Again, at TSN Analytics, at AndyMC81. Still to come in the show from TSN.ca, Scott Cullen with Heroes and Zeros. First, though, on Twitter, at ShutdownLine, prominent voice in the hockey analytics community, Corey Schneider on the line. Corey, how's it going, man? Uh, pretty good. Thanks for having me. Uh, thank you. So before we, we get going here, explain to our listeners your role in the hockey analytics community and uh, all the manual tracking that you're doing. Well, basically, uh, a few years ago, a lot of people in the uh, blogging community felt kind of limited by uh, the data that's available in the NH- uh, on the NHL's website. So guys like Eric Tolsky Jeff, uh, and Jeffrey Detweiler were, started tracking zone entries for teams. And uh, that led to a few projects, including one of mine. And then Brian Stimson started tracking passing plays and... Uh, and that led to his own project, and I started tracking data for that last year. And uh, basically what I do is just collect all this, collect the data, and then people like Ryan and uh, Charlie O'Connor from The Athletic uh, do, a lot of, do a lot of analysis with it, and uh, it's been pretty cool to see. Like, there's been a lot of really interesting projects done with some of the data that uh, we've collected over the past few seasons. So when you track zone entries and zone exits, what sort of things do you track? How do you categorize them? And, and what ultimately are you looking at if a player is, is good at gaining or exiting the zone? Well, basically with zone entries, it's uh, pretty straightforward. You're looking at who entered the zone uh, and uh, whether or not they did it with possession. So whether they carried the puck in or passed it to a teammate, that's a, a controlled entry. And those have been shown to uh, lead to more shots and more and uh, better 
better on his own time than just dumping the puck in and having a teammate go get it. And with zone X, it's kind of the same thing, only you're exiting the zone. You're looking at whether you're looking at if the uh, player, you're looking at if the player uh, carried the puck out or passed it to a teammate or just dumped the puck off the glass and had someone else go get it or ice the puck. So when we move over to shots and scoring chances, we know not all shots should be considered equal based on location on the ice pressure, passes prior to the final release. But to take it a step further, how have you divided the ice so you can properly track? Well, with scoring chances, I'm pretty basic with that. I just looked at the shot came from the home plate area within the face-off circles. That's been kind of the uh, – that's been kind of the – accepted area that a scoring where a scoring chance comes from we know that more goals are scored from there and uh and i just kind of stick to that when it comes to looking at scoring chances obviously there's more to it like you have to look at screens and stuff which i do uh when you look at shots from the outside but as far as scoring chances go i keep it pretty straightforward you can follow Corey on Twitter at ShutdownLine. Corey, looking at passes and shot assists, uh, which is one of the, the newer concepts in hockey analytics, how much of an uptick do we see in the likelihood of goals being scored when we see a set amount of shot assists prior to that final shot? Yeah, this is something that uh, Ryan uh, has looked at before in the past with, uh, some, of his, with some of his old projects. And... Uh, uh, a, a shot is more likely to go in if there is one pass, and if there's two passes, the shooting percentage goes up even more. So passing does have a pretty big uh, influence on whether or not uh, a shot a shot is more likely to uh, beat a goaltender. And uh, add, to add to it, uh, to add to that also, uh, shots that uh, we also look at a type of pass. So if a pass goes back to the points, or if it crosses the slot, or if it comes from behind the net. That also has a that also has an impact on uh, shooting percentage. In conversation with Corey Schneider on Twitter at shutdownline, let's move over to some teams now. Here, Corey, we got the Philadelphia Flyers. They're sitting uh, as of Saturday at eight six and two. They have four players that are scoring above a point per game. One of those players is Captain Claude Giroux, who struggled to produce at five on five last season. Now their power play has always been real good, always been money. Uh, what differences are you seeing in this Flyers team this season? And do you believe that they can ride Brian Elliott and Michael Newworth into a playoff spot? Yeah, well, last year they couldn't score at all at 5-on-5. No. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, I tracked their entire season last year, and they were one of – they, they, they uh, had took more point shots than almost any other team in the league. They did more passing plays back to the point. So that – so it's possible that that had an influence on like on their inability to score five on five, and this year there's been more of an effort to work the puck to to the slide, be more creative in the offensive zone, not always defer back to the point. So someone like Gudis or Gosses Bear can take like a fifty foot shot, you know, on the goaltender, and uh, the top line uh, that they just put together this year with uh, Sean Couturier centering Drew and Voracek, they've been especially good at it. Like they they're pretty. Excellent when it comes to moving the puck across the ice and uh, getting it across the slot, and it's just uh, it's been it's been a pretty big revelation for them. Although, like they're still kind of in the middle of the pack when it comes to goal scoring, but it's a huge improvement over last year. So let's finally uh, get to a team you used to cover here, Corey, the Carolina Hurricanes. 
Once again, one of the possession darlings in the NHL. Now, they have a, a really good young defense core. Just can't seem to put the puck in the net. When will we see this team finally being able to put it all together now that they have somewhat stabilized goaltending? Yeah, it's kind of hard to say with them right now because yeah. they've, played, they've played so few games. They've only played 14, and they've looked kind of all over the map. In uh, in every game I've watched, sometimes some nights they score five, and some nights they score just enough. And other nights it looks like last year where they can't score at all. But uh, I think they're kind of, I think they've shown some improvement. Like if you look at uh, how much they're scoring a five on five this year, it's a little better than it was last year. They're not in the bottom ten anymore. And uh, like the big problem with them has just been the power play. It's just a mess right now. They they have only one goal in their last. Uh, five or six games, I believe, and I think that's what's kind of setting them back right now and why they haven't really been able to put a few wins together. So we'll see how it goes as we get deeper into the season, but right now it's just really tough to tell with them because they haven't really played much hockey. Yeah, and it's it's a tough division, too. Like, they're in last in the Metro, but they're above 500. You can't say that about any mm-hmm. other division. So it's, uh, at least early on, it is a, a tough division. Uh, Corey, where can people find your, your tracking projects? Plug what you're working on here. All right. Uh, you can follow me at Shutdown Line on Twitter, and uh, I usually put a few. I usually post a few graphs after I track a game of the uh, stats that I do. Uh, some of it is up on my site, uh, theenergyline.wordpress.com, and uh, I'm doing some writing this year for Five for Howling, the Coyotes SB Nation site. So I'm kind of doing a lot of things this year. Nice, good stuff, yeah. man. Well, really appreciate you taking the time here. Let's do it again soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, thanks, Corey. That is Corey Schneider on Twitter, as he said, at ShutdownLine. Take the break. Wrap up the show with heroes and zeros from the one and only Scott Cullen. That and more coming up on TSN Hockey Analytics. Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. You're listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Here we go. Time to wrap up TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050 Toronto. Across the TSN Radio Network, I'm Andy McNamara. Get us on Twitter at TSN Analytics at AndyMC81. Miss any of the show? I got you. Don't worry. Go to iTunes. Subscribe there. You prefer SoundCloud? No problem. TSN1050.ca under the shows section. You'll see my lovely face. Click on it. Have access to all the shows there and... We'll tweet out the links at TSN Analytics at AndyMC81. So there you go. Coming up in just a few moments, it'll be TSN.ca's Scott Cullen for Heroes and Zeros. And we'll swing around the top storylines of the week from around the National Hockey League. Lots to get to, man. Like, it's, it's, it's it, some of the surprises we talked about earlier in the year, chatting about it with. Uh, Travis and James, Vegas. How are the Vegas Golden Knights in second place still? And they had that little bit. When we were looking last week, they were struggling. and still not totally in the clear, but 5-4-1 in their last 10. 10-5-1 record. Gotta love it. For an expansion team? Why not? Hey, good good for the league to get a, a new team in a weird market up there. Uh, let's welcome in now TSN.ca's Scott Collins. Scotty, how's it going? Great, Andy. How are you doing? I'm doing good, sir. Uh, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna start where we always love to start, Scotty, and that is that is letting the people know um, 
Well, I was, I'm trying to delay for uh, Grady can get the sting. <laughs> but you know what? Forget it. We'll, 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 just, we'll just start there. We're, oh, we got it. Okay. Hey, you know what? We got to play it. It's time for the best <laughs> and worst of the NHL this week. Hockey analytics, heroes, and zeros with Scott Cohen and Andy McNamara. I can only uh, tap dance for so long, Scotty. It's all good. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> but that sweet guitar riff was worth it. How about uh, the heroes that start Braden Shen? Braden Shen, uh, moving to St. Louis this year. And I know there were maybe some thoughts that uh, he had been propped up in Philadelphia playing with uh, Giroux and, and Voracek quite a bit. Well, he may be getting propped up in St. Louis playing with Jaden Schwartz and Vladimir Tarasenko. His last hmm. nine games, he has two goals, 11 assists, over 60% Corsi. Um, and, you know, he has 19 points in 17 games since, uh, uh, since moving to, to the Blues. And so, you know, he's basically become a first-line center, which I don't think was necessarily the expectation uh, when he was moved in the summer. Now, for the second hero, we go to a 20-year-old centerman for the Islanders. Yes, Matthew Barzal. Yeah. Uh, started the season a little bit slowly, but has been on a tear lately. He had five assists in a game uh, last week. Uh, now has 11 points in his past seven games. And over those seven games, 58% Corsi. He's, he's basically stepped in and become the, the you know, ideal second-line center that they need behind John Tavares. And I think the Islanders had hopes that that was going to happen. I'm not sure they expected it to happen this quickly. And uh, Barzell's confidence, if you, if you happen to catch any of the games, you can see that it's just it's growing by leaps and bounds because he's starting to try some uh, rather creative things as, he, as he's uh, attacking opposing defenses. And so uh, I, I think the, the Islanders have a good one there, and they're, they're starting to find out already just how good Barzell can be. Scotty, it doesn't happen often, so when he does struggle, you can pounce on him as a zero. Sid, the kid, Sidney Crosby makes the list. This is it, Andy. Oh. I'm taking my chance here. I don't know if I've ever had to, <laughs> to pull out on Sidney Crosby uh, as a zero. But past 10 games, Sid has three assists. He's under 48% Corsi. And during five-on-five play, he's on the ice for two goals for, 10 goals against. Ooh. This is not the, our typical Sidney Crosby. I mean, even the fact that... Um, you know, he goes through scoring slumps every now and then, usually not quite like this. But he, his, uh, his Corsi on the season is under 50%, which, you know, that's highly, highly unusual. And so um, I, I don't know that we can attribute a whole lot to it. I mean, you, you see who he's playing with. There's, these are all guys who have been there before and, and had success with him. But uh, in the early going right now, uh, the Penguins are basically being carried by, by Malkin and Kessel. Uh, while they wait for Sidney Crosby get to get playing like Sidney Crosby. The final zero, ugly start for Rodden Verbata in Florida. Yeah, Rodden Verbata, yeah, he had a hat trick a couple of weeks ago, and those were his only goals That's this it. season. <laughs> uh, since then, uh, in six games, he has two assists, 34% Corsi, uh, three goals, four, eight goals against. I mean, 34% Corsi is just getting your brains caved in night after night. So uh, that's, uh, I mean, the... the Panthers did all right with uh, getting Evgeny Dadnoff uh, to come back from Russia, and he's kind of filled in nicely in, as one of their uh, top six right-wingers. And, and Verbata was supposed to fill in the other. Uh, I suppose he is in that spot, but uh, they need him to be better than he's been lately. So that was Heroes and Zeros. If you missed that, again, you can go at TSN Scott Cullen, at AndyMC81, or at TSN Analytics. We'll tweet it out for you later. Now, Scotty, you put out, statistically speaking, Monday to Friday on TSN.ca, but also the top 10 storylines of the week. We didn't have a chance to chat about it last week. Three-way trade. 
Three-way trade. Yeah. Matt Deshane, we thought all of, all of last year's trade deadline was, is Deshane going to be moved? Finally, he was in a deal between the Sens, the Preds, and the Avalanche. What are your thoughts on it? Well, my thoughts, I think Ottawa paid a pretty steep price to get Matt Deshane. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the draft picks that they're sending. Uh, and be, because I'm not sure how big an upgrade Deshane is on Kyle Turris, I think, from Ottawa's perspective, they're buying another year of of contract on Duchesne, which mm. I think they, I think they like that. Um, but I'm not sure that there's a huge upgrade. Like Duchesne probably adds a little bit more offense, but I don't think he's as good defensively. So I think in, you know the, if you give Duchesne an edge, it's probably a pretty slight edge uh, in head to head there. And so with Duchesne comes in, Turris goes out. I think I don't know that Ottawa is dramatically better. I think maybe they're a little bit better. I think Nashville is significantly better because Kyle Turris comes in and is a really good second-line center for them. Uh, in fact, if Ryan Johansson continues to struggle, Kyle Turris might might steal his first-line uh, center job. But um, that Nashville gets Turris uh, for a couple of prospects and, and some good prospects nonetheless, but for prospects and a second-round draft pick, I think that makes Nashville immediately better. And then, strangely enough, I think the winner of the whole deal is actually Colorado hmm. because – you know, for as much criticism as Joe Sackick took over this Matt Duchesne process, that everyone thought he, he waited too long and he was too gun-shy because of how things went down in the Ryan O'Reilly trade. Well, you know, he he waited and ends up getting, well, six, maybe even seven assets. It depends what you consider Andrew Hammond, whether he's asset or liability uh, at this point. But uh, the prospects that they um, they got from Nashville are, are really good uh, and I think probably have a chance to, to play for them this year. Um and, you know, when you get a first, a second, and a third-round pick, uh, I think that, uh, you know, when you're a team who's in the, the rebuilding mode that Colorado, or that Colorado is in, I, I think that's, that's a pretty good haul. And, and more importantly, I think Duchesne, you know, not that 26 is old, but I think the core of Colorado, you know, by the time they're going to be good, is going to be around the Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, um, Tyson Jost, um, that group of, of forwards. And so those guys are younger. You know, you're 21, 22, 23. And so you may as well, um, you know, if you're moving out Duchesne, get more young assets that are going fit to fit in at the same, same age level. Yeah, when they're ready to be good, they'll be uh, ready to go along with them. Uh, Scotty, thank you so much as always. Awesome. Thank you, Andy. All right. Scott Cullen from TSN.ca. You can find all his work there, and he tweets it out at TSN Scott Cullen. Great show, everybody. A lot of fun. Thank you to all of our guests. So for producer Grady Sass, I'm Andy McNamara. You've been listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050 and across the TSN radio network.